Welcome to the Symbolic Lodge of Conversation, where conversation and curiosity interweave into discussion. This is All Square Podcast. I'm your host, R.L. Franks, and today's guest is a man who's been a Mason for over two years. He's a corrections officer, and his journey into the fraternity and his experience before he was a Mason is something truly remarkable and special. This is the story of my brother, Jason Shepard. Jason, thank you for being a part of the podcast tonight. Thank you tonight. for letting me come in and talk with you guys about my journey as a Freemason. So you've been a Mason for two years. Yep, I've been a Mason for two years. Active primarily in the Blue Lodge. Yep, uh, at the Wasion Lodge, uh, Lodge 349, yeah. Great. And you are a corrections officer. How long have you been a corrections officer? I've been a corrections officer for almost two years. I joined my lodge a month before I started working there at the jail. Okay. Now, first generation Mason, have you been a Mason or do you have family who's been part of the fraternity? My grandfather's a Freemason. Um, and then he's also in the York Rite and Scottish Rite and the Shriners. But uh, my father was never a Freemason. He, he's a part of the people, the anti-Masonic people. Really? Yep. So, uh, like an organization or no. religious organization that's the anti-Masonry? How does that work? Um, no, is his father kind of uh, led him to believe that we were a cult or more Satanist than than because we're not, you know? <laughs> right. It's kind of it's really funny when outsiders are looking in and they already make these assumptions that that's what we do during our lodges and temples. Right. Yeah. But you said your grandfather was a member of this fraternity. Yeah, my grandfather on my uh, mother's side, um, he was a Freemason, and uh, he just hit his 50-year mark as a Shriner three years ago, so he's been in it for quite a while. Congratulations on that. It's truly a milestone. Right. Um, Zombia Shrine is one of those premier appended bodies. We're actually going to discuss that a little bit more and how that is a part of Jason's story. But before that, so your grandfather was a part of it, 50-year Shriner. Mm -hmm. Also, you told me off air that your mom was actually a part of it, too, growing up. Too. Yeah, my mom, uh, she was a rainbow girl, and I believe she was a Job's daughter. And then she, she got into the Eastern Star. But then when my mother and father got married, she opted out of the Eastern Star. Yeah. But your mom had a great experience. As I believe so, yeah. I have never really talked to her about it. Yeah, but she was never against you being a part of this. No, no, either. not at all. She was more apt to get me, you know, the help to get in and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Now, growing up in Continental Ohio, did you say? Yeah, right. And to me off the air, um, your experience with the Shriners and the Shriners hospitals played a role in your life. How so? A big role. Um, I have a cyst on my spinal cord, and uh, I I have one leg shorter than the other. But uh, I used I I used to go to the Shriners Hospital for Children in Chicago because I have one leg shorter than the other. I also have a club foot and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've been going there since I was two years old, and I I can't go anymore because I'm over. I think it's twenty. You can't go anymore or something I believe like you're that. Correct. But yeah, so. I've been going there for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Which Shriners 
we used to go through, we used, uh, there in Chicago. Chicago. Right. For orthopedics and stuff like that. Yeah. So what was the experience like going through that? I mean, as a young kid, got it doing all this traveling, going to see doctors. I mean, it might've been a little intimidating, terrifying as a kid. Was that how the experience was? Um, at the very beginning that I remember, um, it was, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, but the more and more I went, the older I got, I kind of realized, you know, this isn't weird this they're trying to help me not hurt me so it was a big eye-opener seeing people come out of their way to do stuff for me for no additional charge to me or my family when you were going through this what were the what were they doing for you surgeries rehabilitation in the hospitals what was it like going through the doors the hospital doors um so uh when, what I remember, um, they would, you know, check how I walked and see how, like, if my cyst got bigger or smaller, stuff like that, to see if my leg would quit growing altogether, um, or stuff like that. But eventually I did have two surgeries on my left leg to, uh, heighten my arch and to re, to move some tendons so I could walk better. And then they put staples in my growth plate in my right foot. So my legs would even out. Wow. That's incredible work. And uh, one thing that maybe our non-Masonic viewers will know is that that money for those surgeries, rehabilitation, food, lodging even, uh, does not come out of your pocket, correct? Correct. Not at all. Um, They do bill stuff through the insurance, but that's to help them because obviously after a while, if people quit donating, they don't get the money that they need to do that but i've never my parents have never gotten an actual bill from the hospital there in chicago that's remarkable and that's one of the many benefits that shriners this uh this branch in the fraternity offers you see yeah the shrine has been known to be a fun fraternal atmosphere full of different events parties units clubs with different themes like the highlanders as i've talked in a previous episode they're a very uh scottish style group i'm a part of the wise guys it's a mafioso style group where we do bourbon runs down to kentucky as a club and um smoke cigars have wine tastings uh we also do raise money for the red cross it's one of our charities that our little club is a part of but all these units and clubs make up a shriner temple and our big charity is these shriners children's hospitals and i actually have never really met somebody at your age at least who was able to tell the story about what they do i knew burn victims is a big ordeal that they take care of cleft palate spina bifida but also again um you know what you were going through as well and i've also heard these different hospitals sometimes aren't dressed like a typical hospital one of the locations actually have like a ship in there right yeah um at ours uh it was it was very interesting because you come through the front doors and i mean one section of it is uh literally toys and stuff that you know you could let the kids play in and make you know obviously no one's going to take them because they're surrounded by all these shriners that care for them that love them you know while the parents go over there and sign their kids in and then um if you go downstairs there's like a, a whole gymnasium where you can just literally just let your kid go and you know have fun yeah uh i've had 
the pleasure of not only seeing at the time it was Cincinnati Shriner Hospital. Now it's in a part of Dayton University's hospital. They have a partnership. I've also seen Louisville, Kentucky's hospital, and they gave us a tour, and they're more than happy to give you a tour and show how they are helping our children. And I just think it's remarkable. And it being a part of the Shrine Hospital and those in the philanthropy, I mean, that gave me meaning at the age of 22 when I'm just getting out of college and all my friends are either going off in their careers and getting married. I was able to meet friends in these organizations and help raise funds for these philanthropies and endeavors. Right. Yeah. I think it's really cool what they do. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, you know, cause it's, you don't really, when you're growing up in it, you don't really recognize what they do. But when you grow older and, you know, you get out, you're like, man, they really did a lot for me, myself, and for my family. Because, obviously, the roadrunners, which are the people that uh, take them from the hospital back to where they live. Anyway. Um, another That's another unit that is solely devoted for that cause to help these families that a hospital calls calls in and says, hey, we have this family here who needs to go to a Shriners hospital. And these roadrunners fill up the vans and take people to those hospitals. Right, which is really nice. Um, yeah. I've let them, I've met a lot of people that, you know, I've done stuff and not thought about getting anything in return, which, I don't know, is very heartwarming. You don't really think of that stuff like that, but it's very nice that they do that. It so is. And our temple in Northwest Ohio, Zenobia, um, actually sponsors three hospitals, the Dayton location, uh, Chicago, and Erie, Pennsylvania hospital. I think that's where they have the room where it's like built like a ship for children. But doing these fundraisers and also doing some of our other activities, like we host the Shriners Circus, which helps build our coffers in our Zenobia temple, which keeps us operation and running. But seeing the pan families who come to these events in tears with their child who experienced the love and support and service that the Shriners Hospital offered them. I mean, they it when they walk up to you and they shake your hand and say, thank you for being a Shriner, you know, what you've done and what your temple has done, our kid has a new chance at a, a normal life. It's so worthwhile, and it's why I wake up every day and I'm a member of this beautiful fraternity. One thing I would always say to our non-viewers, all Shriners are Masons, but not all Masons are Shriners. It's just another branch in the tree of Masonry. So, would you say that that experience help catapult you into the fraternity? I think it, I think it really did. I think it really showed me, you know, that there are amazing people in the world that don't want anything in return. Um, and I, I strive off that. I strive to be the person that everybody wants to be, you know, I want to be the, the gentle man, you know, I want to be the gentle side of things, but if I have to do anything, I'll, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think, I think it's really, I don't know, changed my whole perspective on humanity stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think Shriners really did catapult me into becoming a Freemason. So how did this, how did your journey 
from Mr. Shepherd become Brother Shepherd. How did how did you you're how old now? I'm 21. Okay, so you're 21. The earliest you can join a frater- the lodge is 19. Right in Ohio. In Ohio, correct. Right. So how did that process begin? Um I was uh my grandfather one day uh we uh, he left his Knights Templar sword in uh his lodge there in Van Wert, Ohio. And uh, he asked if I would want to, you know, take a tour of the lodge while he grabs all of his equipment and stuff like that. And I followed him up there and showed me around, and it always sparked an interest to join. But then uh, I got married, and then uh, I wanted to join the Shriners. That was my main goal. But uh, you have to become a Mason to become a Shriner, obviously. So, um, it I don't. It's kind of a I I don't know. It's I don't it's just, it's just interesting how how I came to be a you know a mason because it was you know I petitioned the lodge I went through Grandview to petition the lodge because you went on like a web I went on I went on the the Grand website. Lodge website because I didn't know you know anybody around me because I moved up after I got married I moved away from my family okay so I didn't know where anything was and uh, they emailed me maybe a month later and they're like hey you know the Wasian Lodge is so many miles away you know Brian Lodge is so many miles away and. So I petitioned the lodge there in Wasian and uh I and then uh Steve what was his name? Oh shoot. Anyway, so I'll just call his him brother, brother Steve. Yeah. Brother Steve. He uh he texted me and he said, Hey, you know, I'm from the Wasian Lodge. Would you would you want to come take a tour and I could give you a petition? So okay. I did that and uh he was very welcoming and I did the petition and uh I met with the the people that'll investigate you, the investigate the investigating committee. And, uh, I don't know. They, they made me feel like I was at home. They made me feel like I was welcome. That's so important. If you're looking into joining the fraternity, don't just join the first lodge. You see, you need to meet the men of that. See if you're going to gel with those men. If this is the right place, you'll know in your heart, if a lodge is right for you. And don't be afraid to travel to other lodges in the region. I drive 25 minutes away from my house to go to my lodge. Right. And it feels like home. I leave Toledo, Ohio, where everything's going on, my whole life, work, career. And then I just take that 25-minute drive on a Monday night, and I feel like I'm just taking a step back enjoying going out into the more rural area outside of Toledo and just unwind and be with my friends. Right. Yeah. And it's so awesome that you experience that at Wasian, which is a beautiful lodge. Right. Uh, like my lodge is only like 15 minutes away. And like what you said, it, it feels like you're taking a step back from all of, you know, media. You don't really care about that. You know, it's just, you know, I'm trying, I'm there to help other people. I'm there to help my brothers. And it's just, you know, like mental health. I, I you know, I calm down because I'm in corrections. So yeah. it's very stressful, very mentally stressful. And, you know, when you're on the drive there, you know, you take a step back. You realize, you know, where you are in this world. And, and it kind of just de-stresses you on the way to there. So yeah. then you're, it's a brand new world when you step into Lodge. It's, it really is. It's really a, it's really a space where time and everything kind of stands still. It really and is. It's a safe place where men can be men. They can talk about stuff. 
You can learn about things of not only the fraternity, but about each, each other. And these, one thing that's interesting, and I'm very curious as a 21-year-old, if you've experienced this too, but masonry, we don't really see age right. with these men. Because we got five generations in a lodge. Got all these young guys, and you got these older guys. I'm best friends with 60, 70, 80 years old, and they don't look at me as like a kid. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. We're brothers, and they want to mentor you and be there for you. Right. And stuff they experienced, you know, 50 years ago is different than what modern Masons are dealing with today. Definitely, yeah. Um, We have, I think the oldest member in our lodge is, I I would say, 85. Um, Real nice guy. Um, I love seeing him every time he comes in, you know. He ain't there all the time due to, like, you know, if he gets sick or something, he don't want to come in. But... And then I'm I'm not even the youngest one there at our lodge. I think the youngest one there is 19, I believe. So it's it's very it's different. It's I think it's great that you know I could walk up to a 65 year old man and ask a question that I might think is not very smart, you know, and he'll be like, no, it's fine, you know. I thought the same thing when I was your age, and this is how I dealt with that problem. It's I don't know. It's it's great to have people that you can look up to and get answers to and not and make them. So they don't make you feel like you're, uh, like you're belittled. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're all human, right? Right. And sometimes there are men who I've bumped into and they think that their shit doesn't stink, you know, and they know it all. Right. But those are so few and far in between to the core of what masonry is. A lot of people join this fraternity to meet men because as we get older and you have a family you're 21 and you have right. two kids you told yep. me i have two kids and a wife yep. and a wife yep you're balancing everything that's going on how old's your kids uh i have uh he's gonna be two here in december so and then i we just had a kid in july so okay so yeah you know two getting in the toddlers right you know starting to walk around beware right <laughs> um but as you grow and develop into um that father figure you're also going to experience being active in events with your kids and masonry is not there to interfere with your family obligations masonry will always be around it's not like taking cold courses and oh no, 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 i'm here i know it all it's a lifelong journey in this fraternity right it really is it really is 11 years two years right we both have different experiences right. in this fraternity. But if you're active in it, if you're contributing to it, if you're trying to leave the fraternity better off than when you first joined, to give that same experience you've received to the future of masonry, that's going to pay off dividends. Right, it really will. Yep. And they're going to look at you as how you look at the men that you were coming into. Right. And that's what I love. I love nothing more than when my brothers call me. I am not a texter, as you right. can tell. <laughs> right. You guys can't tell, but <laughs> he texts me, I call him. Because I want to know how he's doing. I right. want to know, you know, how's your day? Maybe my conversation will change the mood of a problem or a situation you're dealing with. Right. And it really does. You really do. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, being a corrections officer, I know two other Masons at your job in different shifts who have to go through hell sometimes 
in your line of work. I commend you for your <clears> service <throat> and what you're doing. But there's a brotherhood aspect in being a corrections officer in the prison system. Right. It definitely there definitely is one. Have you experienced <clears throat> that? Oh yeah, I've definitely stepped in the way of of my supervisor getting hit and taking one for the team, or actually taking six for the team. <laughs> but yeah, I've there's definitely a big brotherhood in corrections as well as Freemasonry. But yeah, I can go to anyone at my work and have a problem, and you know, but um, you know, there there is a brotherhood, and um, it, but it isn't the same. It really isn't the same. But I don't know what were the questions you had coming into the fraternity? Because was your grandfather talking about the fraternity as you were growing up? Not at all. Nope. It was a very generational thing where men just didn't talk about what they were a part of. Correct, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they just didn't know how to articulate it or if it was just their thing. It was like their therapy session of what they were dealing with in their lives, right? Right. Where, you know, they kind of kept it to the breast, because they had to be quote unquote men, right? right. And you got to be the the patriarch of the family. You got to be the provider, right? So your grandfather's not really talking about the not fraternity, a, not at all. He never really did. I mean, he would bring up the fact that him and my grandmother would have to go to Eastern Star, but that's that's literally all he would talk about. Yeah, right. You're probably sitting there like, "What's Eastern Star?" Right. Exactly. 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 Right. Um. But yeah, he never brought it up. The only time he ever brought it up was when we went to the lodge that time, and I was asking, you know, what's what are all these pictures and paintings and what's, what, what, what's about, you know, what, why do you have a sword? You know, that's, yeah, it's a different thing. Um, and he's like, if, if you really want to find out, you know, you, you obviously have to get older, but if you really want to find out, you'll look for it and you'll find it. And it was, that's basically how that all went down. Yeah. Right. Well, that's one thing that in today's society, and I talk about this more times than not on uh, the podcast where we need to focus on the next generation to be able to teach modern Masons how to be able to articulate the fraternity. Masonry will never salute you or salute you. will never <laughs> solicitate you. <laughs> solicitate. This is real. This is raw. This is all square podcast. Masonry will never solicitate you for membership. It's right. not what we do. We're not a cult. No. If a man wants to join, they have to knock on the door and ask us, how do I become a Mason? Right. What I just said was not solicitation. No. I'm stating a fact. But we don't teach men how to communicate masonry into the community and it's something i've really thought about maybe creating a workshop and working with men so they can have that discussion right because i guarantee you there are men who are looking to be a part of something like masonry or something in another civic organization you know we talked about uh, about it off the uh air where you know, our 20, our 24 inch gauge and, you know, our hours in a day is really stretched for a modern man. You got kids, you got functions, you got activities, you got a wife, you know, wives and husbands are way more closer in the fact of, you know, they're partners. They like to do things more together, whether than it was like the fifties where the guy went and did his thing and the lady stayed home. Right. 
You know what I mean? We have to engage the modern Mason and be able to articulate and also bring the family in to certain functions. Because there are times in our lodges where we want to bring the families for a Christmas party and have their kids getting to know the other kids and having the wives get to know the other wives. Because there's nothing truly secret that we're hiding from our wives and significant others and family members. Right. There's bonds that you and I know. Right, yeah, definitely. Which makes us brothers. But our wives and kids can be a part of this too. Right, yeah. Um, right, but where's the closest D Malay at? There's a uh you're in the fifth Masonic district. Right. So Fallen Timbers in Perrysburg, Ohio is an active D Malay for young men at the age of twelve to twenty. They age out at twenty one. Okay. Um Yes. So, and then there's this program like, so DMLA is like the Boy Scouts of Masonry. Right. The Cub Scout version is what we call the Squire program. And that's eight to 12. Okay. And they've had Squire programs with four or five kids. And then once they hit the limit, then they become DMLAs. And slowly the kids get integrated into DMLA and what DMLA is. And it teaches us how to respect our parents how to you know um be upstanding young men who have principles and values in today's society right which is kind of hard for some people to understand but yeah i've known men whose dads weren't around moms working and these dad advisors this is what the kids call them dad advisor like dad franks dad corn you know what i mean these men become mentors to those young men. Right. Yeah. And then they join D- in their, they're active in DMLA and they join the fraternity when they're in their twenties. One of uh, a great friend of mine, Theodore Korn, he is a DMLA. He was a DMLA governor for Northwest Ohio. And he worked with chap, these DMLA chapters. Right. And got to know all these um, different young men and was a mentor to them because he was a DMLA growing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Right. So, I mean, we all, I, when I heard about DMLA, I wish I knew about it. Right. Yeah. Same. Right. (laughs) Right. But we found masonry and we're a part of masonry. Right. Yeah. But going in, what other questions did you have when you were becoming a Mason? What were some questions you were looking to answer for yourself? Was there any questions? I mean, Obviously, you know, uh, growing up, you had the movie National Treasure. That was always, you know, a big, you know, ooh, the Freemasons, you know, they know all the secrets about everything. Sure. I wish we did know all the secrets to everything. That would make it very interesting. Yeah. But that was one of them. And number two, why was it so secretive? You know, why, or that I knew, why was it so, to be honest, you could probably find almost everything that we talk about or pretty daggum close on the internet, which is weird, but, um, there's you a gotta, lot of misinformation too, though. Correct. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take out the the truth from the not truth. But it's very hard when you're not in it to understand what the difference is between it. Exactly. One of the biggest things is that just because you read something, if you can't experience it, right? What we went through, they'll never understand. No matter how many times they read it in paper, right? Because we have a bond. In this fraternity, we went through those. We stepped it. We knocked on the door and stepped through that door, and became masons. Right, 
right? It's like I could write a pa- uh, Pierce Vaughn, famous uh, Masonic author. I'm going to see him in Louisville this week. In his book, Renaissance Men and Mason, I want to say it was, he said, you could write a paper about eating an orange, write a 15-page paper about the orange, what it is, but can you experience what it is eating that orange? Right. Experiencing what you're getting from eating that orange. Right. 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 That's masonry. Right. That is the brotherhood, the bonds that we share that goes back hundreds of years. Right. Yeah. So you join the fraternity. Right. You're two years in. You're 21. You're married. Right. What does your family think about the fraternity Um, now? My wife, um, at the very beginning, she was kind of skeptical about it. She didn't really know a lot. And to be honest, I didn't either. So it was kind of a. You know, I'll figure out when I figure out and, you know, I'll tell you what I can tell you just so you could kind of understand why I'm going to lodge, you know, as much as I can, you know, to be there with friends and brothers and all about that. I mean, she, she likes it. She can kick me out of the house and not worry about me doing anything too dumb, but, but yeah, my kids are too young to understand. Um, but my father-in-law and mother-in-law really like they, um, I don't, I wouldn't say they, they, I don't, how can I say this? They're, they're accepting of me going to lodge. You know what I mean? Because they're not very hip into Freemasonry at all, but I would say they're more accepting. And so is my wife about Freemasonry and going to lodge and stuff like that. Sure. And your dad though? Dad, not so much. Sure. Um, so yeah, my, my grandfather and. He kind of placed it in his head that we're a cult like that. Or on your father's side. Right, on my father's side, definitely. Um, but we're we're not even close. Um, he, he'll banter with me back and forth, or when we're at Christmas, my uncle on my dad's side will, or it would be his brother, but my uncle. Um, he, we, we'll go back and forth about, you know, about I'm not, a, you know, that you're a Satanist and you, you, you know, worship Lucifer and all that jazz and I'm like, we, we really don't, we don't at all. It's just, he's afraid of, he's afraid of experiencing what I've experienced because he, it's, it's the unknown. Everybody's got the fear of the unknown because if you don't know it, then what is there to realize? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we say this on the podcast more times than not, you know, humans are very tribal. Right. If you have your certain organization or religious organization that tells you not to belong to this organization, fear the unknown. Don't, you know, in the tribes back in the day, don't go out into the forest at nighttime. Things will get you. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> the chupacabra. The chupacabra, exactly. <laughs> but one thing about this fraternity is I've done things, local, state, and I'm doing something this week nationally. I have never experienced anything that impedes on my faith and my work, my family life. They don't tell me what to believe and what to think. And I think some people have it in their mind, and I told you this off air, that some organizations think that we treat masonry like a religion. Right, yeah. It's a path to salvation. Right. And I think some men who are lost join the fraternity thinking that mentality that they're going to find some meaning in law. Right. But you, you don't find a path to salvation. That's what religion's for. Right. Yeah. That's why we ask you to believe in a 
higher power. Right. The higher being. Right. Yeah. And be um, respectful of other people, what they believe. We're universal. And I think masonry provides you the working tools for your faith to work on yourself as self-improvement. Because once right. we build upon ourselves, we can make a difference in the community. Yeah. I think we really could too. Yeah. So what's next in the fraternity for you? Um, right now, um, I'm, I, I believe I'm going to be senior, senior steward in this upcoming, um, ballot or to see where I am in the installation of officers. Right. Um, when's your election? Uh, tomorrow. Okay. Wednesday. Yep. So I, I think it'll be very, it'll be very interesting. I think, I think it'll benefit me in more ways than not to actually sit in a chair and realize fully of what's happening. Because when you sit on the sidelines, I mean, it is nice to sit on the sidelines and not really have to, you know, stand up and do stuff. But I think you understand why you're doing it or why you're standing up when you have to stand up, why you got to sit down when you got to sit down. Yep. When you're an, when you're an, uh, an officer in the lodge because you, you fully understand, you know, I have to stand up because of so-and-so or because of this. But... I'm I'm gonna be the senior steward, and then I I really 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 want to be a Shriner, and that and here coming soon, and uh, I think so I can help other people who had the same problem as me, and not and not need anything in return. You know what I mean? Yep. And make me better. It's that's very well said. Now, as a junior pass master, you know I was the head of my lodge last year. Let me give you some wise counsel. Okay. So people can understand this. Number one, you're going to be a steward. Mm-hmm. That's an appointed position. The worshipful appoints you right. in there. You're about to go through a line that typically on average is seven years. Right. Okay. You're, the first two years, I would strongly encourage you to just be observant. Right. Understand the parliamentary procedures that's going on in the lodge. Right. Then, because you're taking on an added responsibility. Definitely. (laughs) And you are the future of your lodge. And what you purpose, you're going to need to perform. Right. You need to figure out what some way in these next, the first four years, I'm going to be able to give back. So, being active in lodge events when you can. Now, you got a tricky schedule. Definitely a tricky schedule. But maybe working with candidates, getting to know what they want, being their craft, being their uh, mentor, master craftsman, we call them um, in Ohio, getting to not only get them through their degrees, I would strongly encourage you, but also take the time when you're working on the exam, find out what they're, why they're joining the fraternity. What do they want to see in the fraternity? Because the one thing about masonry, it's not one person's organization it's all of our organizations right. and if you want to make a difference in your lodge you know take some of the advice of what the guys coming in want to see and implicate that into your plan right another thing is maybe learn a lecture or a charge okay. because you need to be able to assist in giving those new members in the who are coming into the fraternity that same experience you received and no better way to do that than starting out with a charge 
and just reading it, memorizing it, and being able to perform that during a night where you're bringing in a new member. Okay. So those would be my first four years. So senior Stewart, or sorry, junior Stewart, senior Stewart, junior deacon, senior deacon. When you're in the wardens, the senior, the junior warden and the senior wardens position, that is a time where you need to start planning for your year. And you should always do it when you're in the South at, at the junior warden station, because it's one of the least amount of obligations you have to do. So why not take a whole year and plan maybe three things you want to accomplish your year as master? Right. So many times. Men, when they get to the junior warden status and they move to senior and now they're worshipful, they have no plan in place and they're just riding a chair and it's not really fun. And the org and the members of your lodge are not really contributing because you have no plan. You have nothing designed, no designs drawn up of what you want to accomplish. Right. So take that time, your junior warden year. At speak with past masters. That's what we're here for. Eat whether we're part of your lodge or not. Spitball some ideas. Hey, right. I want to do a lodge trip. Hey, I want to incorporate a chamber of reflection in the lodge. Hey, well, let's review the bylaws. Maybe they're so outdated because my lodge is 125 years old. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? I mean, hey, maybe we need new aprons in the lodge. Or let's have dinner before lodge. Because it's late at night, it's at 6, 7, they're not with their families, let's make sure our members are taken care of. Or, maybe have a dinner on a Saturday or when you would be off, outside the lodge. Bring candidates. Ask the, bring them in so they can ask the questions. There's not need to sell, you don't need to throw a petition in their hand. Find out if they're not only right for you, but if, um, if they're not, if they're right for your lodge, and maybe they'll see if they feel like they're a party that they can be a part of your lodge. It's a great way to connect to the future. What could be the, the fraternity, right? If you do that, your junior warden year and you just keep working on it, maybe getting a, ske- a tentative schedule in place. By the time you're a worshipful master and you did your observing and you did your little contributing during those first four years and now you got a schedule in place the last two years before you're the head of the lodge, you're going to be so far ahead. Right. And people are going to be fired up. One, the past masters don't want you to fail. They're not holding the baton. They want to give you the baton. And what a way to show yourself is leadership because that's what being an officer in masonry is. It is leadership building techniques and if you apply that you're gonna have an amazing year right and it might inspire other lodges as well and then you'll get the guys who you worked in as candidates as future officers right lodges ebbs and flow all the time you ride high and then the guy behind you doesn't plan and and everything you work so hard will be eroded right it'll tank yeah (laughs) But show that forward thinking, that critical thinking on what you want to accomplish here. And don't make it 20 different things. Focus on one, two, three. I always think three because to me it's a mystical number. Right. And, dude, you'll look back after that year and be like, this 
that was incredible. Right. And I set my lodge up for success for the guy behind you. Because you're going to build those bonds with those me- with those officers. Yeah. Yeah. And your lodge will be better off for it. So, anyway, that was my rant on a blueprint for a blue lodge. Right. You know, it's a paper <laughs> I'm working on. But, yeah, you got to survey that land. You got to see, like, okay, what's my lodge strong in? What are they not? Right. Are, are they very ritual-minded? Are they... Are they much more education? Do they like fellowship? Are they more about charity? How can we find a balance? Right. Get of it. all yep. those. Yeah. So again, I'm somebody you can connect with on always. I know there's tons of past masters in your lodge. Right. You laid that down on they'll be like, this guy gets it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what's some things that you want to like focus on? Is there areas of improvements in your lodge? We all have improvements in our lodge. Right. Um, I think I think we need to get a hold of our community. I think we need a little bit more community work to get our not solicit ourselves out there, but to be like, hey, you know, we're you know, we're welcome to anybody. You know, if you if you really just want to come in and have a tour of the lodge, we'll give you a tour of the lodge. We're not afraid to show people what you know what our lodge looks like. I mean, we have a a pancake. Uh, pancake breakfast every Memorial Day there at the Wasian Lodge. And we have people of all walks of life come in and, you know, ask a couple questions, you know, we'll answer it. And, and usually if they ask, we'll, we'll give them a tour. We're not, we're not afraid to show you what, what we do. Yeah. Right. I think that's phenomenal. Connecting to the community. That might be your message. Right. Your, your year. You are a servant. And I can just tell that about you. And you want to give back. Because people invested in you when you were going through what you were going through. And you've talked about how, what can I do to give back? Right. And I just think that's truly incredible. Now, as, you know, your kids are going to get older, you are going to focus definitely on them. Right. Yeah. And, but they'll see those changes in you and that leadership and that will inspire them too. Our kids mimic us and i think masonry sets a great foundation for men who want to better themselves who want to work on themselves and contemplation meditation prayer is definitely an avenue we as men and masons must focus on right because we don't want to overextend ourselves definitely no you don't want to be half ass and 10 different things. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to watching your journey right. into this fraternity as a veteran for 11 years, as I can right. say. I'm now <laughs> becoming the old guard. <laughs> but we're actually at time. The final question What's one thing you want to say to the people watching this episode? Um, I would say, um, if I mean, if you have any questions, you know, um, you could, you could always ask your lodge. Um, we're not, we're not a, a big cult. We're not, we're not even a cult. We're just a fraternity. There's not, I mean, it's just, if you have any questions, um, just ask them. We're not, a, we're not a, we're not some big, scary person. Just secret society right we're not a secret society we're just give us a chance give us a chance in this world and we might we might change your life the good we might change your life in a good way 
Just give us a chance. That's my brother, Jason Shepard, a servant in his lodge and in his community. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this journey is going to take him. I'm R.L. Franks, and you are all square. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Hey, R.L. Franks here. Thanks again for watching today's episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Also, if you believe someone can benefit from the message that we provided on today's podcast, send it over to them. You may inspire them.